So, Lord, we do worship and praise you for your awesome majesty. We look around this world and, and see all of the amazing ways that you are at work, uh, the things that you have done, the, uh, what you have created, the way that you have established uh, your people and protected and, and sustained your people through all generations, through all manner of, uh, of persecution and trials and conflicts. And in all of that, you continue to reign supreme in all perfection and in all beauty. And we have gathered here uh, this morning to, to worship and praise you for your great majesty. Lord, as we focus our attention on your word, uh, the kids in their, uh, in their sessions uh, for us here, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that you would be at work in our midst, that you would speak clearly the message that you want us to hear today, and we would be able to walk away with a new understanding, a deeper appreciation and love with you, and a, and a, and a greater reflection of your character to our world. So. We put ourselves in your hands and trust what you are going to do in our midst here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kids, you can head off to your different classes, sessions, whichever way you're going to go. So we have been working through the Gospel of John and... Uh, it is always so amazing for me to see the way that God takes his word and makes it alive and real in our lives. Um, it was a number of weeks ago that, that I was uh, preaching on uh, the wedding at Canaan from uh, John chapter 2, where we read about Christ's first sign of changing the water into wine. And... Uh, the following Sunday, uh, Rebecca Chesham was uh, presenting at the women's retreat, uh, the ba Baptist women's retreat out on Quadra Island. She was presenting this very same text. God had been working through her life in a number of different ways and, and creating a number of different experiences uh, for her and using this passage specifically in the Gospel of John uh, to, to speak into her life and to show a new understanding of himself and the way that he is working in her. When she got back, she was listening to the sermons that she had missed out on and uh, saw the one that, that I had just covered the week before. And uh, she very excitedly sent me this note of, of uh, how, how, uh, how impactful this particular passage had been in her life. And she shared with me um, the, the presentation that she had done at the women's retreat. Um, and I was just very uh, touched by what God had been doing in her life and, uh, and how she had had an opportunity to share that with the ladies. And I thought that that was something that, uh, that we can all benefit from here in, in our congregation this morning. So I've asked her uh, to give the same presentation that she gave to 
to the ladies' retreat for us here this morning to give us a chance to see how God has been working in her life and using these passages to come alive and transform her into his, into his likeness more and more. So um, I appreciate her willingness to, to stand up and, and uh, do this for us and uh, share something that God has been laying on her heart, something that's very personal and very real for her. So would you come up and I just want to pray for you as you start. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the fact that your word is alive and active, that you are using the words of Scripture, those that you have inspired your your, um, unique servants to be able to preserve for us the way that you use those words in our lives. I pray, Lord, that as Rebecca comes and uh, shares how you have been working in her life and the way that you have been revealing yourself uh, through this passage in her life. I pray, God, that uh, we would all, uh, through your Spirit, hear a message that you have for us today. And we can be encouraged and, um, and inspired to the greater depths of relationship with you. So we thank you for all that she has to say and and that the Spirit would be working through her and in her as she presents to us here this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. just have to grab one thing. I asked my husband, I'm like, Do I, am I modest? He goes, yeah, but you kind of look a little frumpy. <laughs> So it's it's an honor to be here today, and thank you, Lauren, for asking me, and thank you, Adrian, for just, um, I'm so glad I have his blessing to just encourage me in the gifts that God's given me. Um, it's such a blessing to have a husband who is um, supportive of the way that God's wired me and the gifts that he has given me, so I want to honor him in that as well. So... Like Lauren had said, this passage um, has probably been like ruminating in my mind for about a year um, in this last season of life that I've been in. Uh, yeah, so it's about it's about new wine and it's about Jesus's first miracle from John two. Um, I wanted to show you guys a picture. About four years ago, I had the opportunity to go to India, to Chennai, India. That's where Ravi Zacharias is from. Does anyone know Ravi Zacharias? Yeah. So I was invited to go to um, a wedding. So this wedding was about four days long, and it cost about $100,000 US. I've never seen such opulence and gold and flowers and it was really interesting because it it, it, I'm bringing this picture to you to show the difference between weddings in the Middle East and um, versus weddings here and how how different they are Um, I real I I realized when we got back 
from India that all the gifts that were given, the monetary gifts that were given, actually went back to pay for the wedding. So that was kind of, it was quite shocking to me, right, to think that these people, like it, this was their only son that was getting married, um, and the amount of money that they had spent to showcase the, the couple and the wedding and invite everyone, that they actually didn't have the money to do that, right? Like they had saved up a lot, but a lot of the money that was given went back into paying for the wedding. So I just wanted to, to um, show you guys that picture. So I'm going to read um, the passage from John 2, 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, but when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory and his disciples believed him. Next slide, Lauren. So in the ancient Near East, with its scarcity of water, wine was a necessity rather than a luxury. So it came to symbolize substance, joy, celebration, festivity, expressing the abundance and the blessings of God. Um, there were some other uses for wine as well back then. Ordinary hospitality in Genesis, festivals, marriages, of course, offerings that were accompanied the daily sacrifice in the temple, presentations of the first fruits, other offerings as in numbers, and the tithe was also paid in wine as well as other products. Jesus used this, of course, at the Last Supper as well, symbolizing his shed blood. So weddings in ancient Israel would have lasted for about a week long, a huge investment of time and energy and resources for the family. A family was responsible to provide food and drink for the guests for a week. To run out of food and wine would have been very shameful for the family hosting the wedding. It would have been a crisis of honor in the community, and this is where the family found themselves. I love how Mary recognizes the call and calls out to her son for help, knowing that he could do something, and he says, whatever he says to do, do it. Somewhere in between the ceremonial um, jars to the headmaster's lips, the miracle was performed and the water was turned into wine. There's a huge difference between common wine and aged wine, and this is the time component. The miracle that Jesus performed bypassed the restrictions of time required to make a choice wine. 
I wanted to share a passage from James 1, testing of your faith. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may perfect, be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the story of Christ's first miracle has been ruminating in my mind over the last year. It's been a huge blessing and encouragement to me in many ways on my own personal journey. Oftentimes before a difficult season, I found that God has prepared me with promises to hold me through the storm. The in-depth study of this passage was a result of a promise that I had heard from God for a specific situation that we were facing. I believe we can all personally recount a time in our lives when um, we've just come to the end of ourselves, right? Uh, whether it's financial, whether it's a health crisis, whether it's a marital issue, whether or not it's a child who's sick and dying. Um, it's so important during all the seasons of life for Christ to be our first love and our anchor and our rock. He has to be because nothing else is sure, nothing else is secure, nothing else is solid besides Christ and that's why he has to be our first love regardless of what comes our way. That's the only way to survive the difficult seasons of life that we have to go through. I'm fairly convinced the older I get that everyone has a story to share. I'm sure all of you guys could come up and share a time where you've been so broken and not known if you could go on or not. Um, a time where you've been tremendously crushed by the weight of sin or betrayal um, or abandonment or brokenness and I think it's a gift um, just to be like vulnerable and authentic with one another and I think in our vulnerability it gives other people permission to be broken And then it becomes a safe place to be healed as well. God told me three things before I went into the hardest year of my life. Number one, you're not always going to feel this way. Number two, I can bring better wine after a miracle. And number three, if I can raise Lazarus from the dead, I can heal the situation that you're in. And then the storm hit. I remember many days crying on my bathroom floor with the cold tile against my face, holding on to those promises. 
believing that God had to be enough, regardless of what the situation looked like, regardless if it felt hopeless. These are some examples of scripture, different but kind of the same in a way. Adam and Eve having to hold on after being sent out of the garden and losing a son. Is that you, Bob? Bob, yep. <laughs> That's okay, it's good, it's a good icebreaker. Uh, Noah too, right? Just having to build a boat when the whole world was laughing and there hadn't been rain. Joseph being betrayed by his family and taken to another land, falsely accused and punished. Moses, a long season in the wilderness, taking the Israelites out of Egypt. Abraham leading family into a new promised land, waiting for his promised son, and then being able to, being asked to sacrifice him. Job being tested by the devil, losing his family, his health, and his wealth. David being anointed king, losing a son after adultery. Peter denying Christ in the fear of man. Paul, days of being blind after his conversion. Mary, watching her son grow up and then be crucified. Martha losing her brother, Lazarus losing his life. And us, we all have our own story. I think this story, this parable, ultimately points to Christ and his provision to us through his shed blood. Ultimately, his death on the cross and the atonement for our sins. Think about it, that the God who made the whole universe and holds it all together would send his son to come down uh, to be a sacrifice for us, to make a way to bring us back to God. So what do we do in these valleys when we're tempted to doubt and lose all hope? Three points. Number one, remember who God is. In the times when the world is dark and we're tempted to doubt, we need to not listen to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves. We need to remember who God says he is, and we need to pray to him and call out to him. Number two, remember who we are in Christ. Sorry, I'm going to share one more verse from Lamentations 3, 21 to 24. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Number two, to remember who we are in Christ I think we all have tapes that we play when things get difficult. Uh, could be from early childhood, could be lies from the enemy. I'm uh, really convinced, according to scripture, that the enemy is out to steal, to kill, and to, to destroy us in our lives. Um, 
And if we believe those lies, then we are rendered ineffective for the kingdom here on earth. If we don't have an understanding about who God says we are because of Christ's blood shed on the cross, we become victims of our circumstances and our feelings. I believe it's so important for us to speak it out daily who we are in Christ, and our minds will be rewired with this truth of who we are. Um, so one thing that I've prepared for you guys to take home on this side is the different names of God um, that you can use to pray through while you're at home. And then on the other side is who I am in Christ according to scripture. So my husband actually made it. He's an engineer, so. <laughs> so I'm just gonna read out who, the who I am in Christ parts, and there's references as well, so each of you guys, there's copies for you to take home. I am God's child. I am God's temple. I am Christ's friend. I am complete in Christ. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's workmanship. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a minister of reconciliation. I have been adopted as God's child. I am the salt and the light of the earth. I cannot be separated from God's love. I am free forever from condemnation. I have been redeemed and forgiven of my sins. I am established, anointed, and sealed by God. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I can find grace and mercy in the time I need. I have been brought with a price and belong to God. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life, and I can approach God with freedom and confidence. I am assured that all things work together for my good. I've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. On the bottom of that, there's a couple questions. What area today do I need to trust God in? The second question, what lies are you believing today and what truths can you replace them with according to who God is and who we are in Christ? And the third thing, this one's very dear to my heart. Remember that the story isn't finished yet. We can be so microscopic when we're going through hard things that we forget there's still time and things can change and God can still work a miracle. Christ is the bridegroom, and we are the bride of Christ. He's preparing us through our trials to be more conformed to his image. Do we rejoice in her sufferings when he chips away the things of our lives? What is our response? Do we kick and scream? Or do we say, thank you, God, for this pain? Thank you that you're making us into your image. Thank you that you're teaching us how to love the way you love. 
you back. <laughs> Thanks. And there's going to be another wedding feast in heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm on a journey, and I'm just learning all this stuff, too, and Thank you. That's so nice. That's good because he was sick last time. I think this is so near to my heart because I work in healthcare and so I see a tremendous amount of brokenness um, and pain and suffering. And I get we're on this side of the cross where the blood is being shed and but everything's not made right yet. There's still brokenness and there's still people who die and there's still sickness and there's still free will where people choose and make really, really bad choices. So this is where my hope lies. And this actually was one of the verses that we had read at our wedding. So it's, it's very special, very special to me. Revelation 21, 3 to 5. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I was thinking about the miracles of Christ today. And I was thinking, he always gives a command before the miracle. He'll tell Lazarus' friends, family, move the rock away. He'll say to the person who can't walk, rise up, pick up your mat. He'll say in this situation, take the jars and go fill them with water. He'll say to the lepers, go down and wash. If our hands aren't open, if we're not willing to let God do a miracle in our lives, are we leaving room for God to work through us? If we're so filled with pride that our hands are clenched and we're saying, no, my life wasn't supposed to look like this. We're trusting in ourselves and we're not trusting in God to do a bigger miracle and to do something bigger and beyond what we perceive as best. So in those hard seasons, we need to remember who God is. 
we need to remember who he says we are. We need to leave room for God to work a miracle. We need to not lose hope because the story isn't over yet. So this whole season, um, there was this song that I just listened to and listened to and listened to and wept and wept and wept. Um, and so I want to share it with you guys today. And it's called New Wine. And the words are, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. In the crushing and the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. Did you flip it? Oh, hold on. Okay. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil,
So I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening to me and um, I just I want to encourage each of you guys just to think about think about something in your life where you need new wine. Is there an area that you haven't surrendered to the Lord? Is there an area that you still are holding on to, whether oh, it could be anything, right? Like, are we are we open for for God to do a mighty work in our life? Are we willing to let our dreams die and let God God's dreams work through us and make a different plan than maybe we thought it would be, right? Um, is it a child that you have? Is it a dream that you have for the future? Is it a relationship you have now? Is it a ministry that you have? Is it a friendship? I don't know. But I'm sure each of us have something. Um, and I want to encourage you just to live in submission to Christ and the plans that he has for you. Um, and to encourage you that you don't, you don't need to believe everything you think. You gotta take those thoughts captive and um, this has been a tremendously helpful tool for me because feelings come and feelings go and uh, yeah, we need to stand on what's true. So thank you, Lauren. Thanks so much, Rebecca, for sharing with us. Um, well, let me just pray right now. Just close your eyes. Um, I know each of us goes through, through that pressing, through that crushing. And, uh, maybe there's... There's some of us that are here today that are going through that right now, that that's the, the season of life that God has brought us through, is, is bringing us through at this moment. I want to just give you an opportunity in the quietness of your own heart to be able to, to come and acknowledge who God is. Claim who you are in Jesus Christ. And then open up yourself for God to do a miracle because the story is not done yet. Let's just take some time in quiet prayer.